This is Tech Talks Money, TechEU's fintech-focused podcast. My name is John Reynolds, the host. This week we've got two top-notch guests. We are joined by Monica Lickerman, the co-CEO of Enfuse, which is a, a payment company and also Finland's biggest fintech. I think many listeners will probably know uh, we'll probably even know Monica. And we're also joined by Michaela Berglund, the founder and CEO of Feminvest, which is an events and education platform for women, which has over 50,000 registered users and has just launched uh, around a 9 million euro fund to invest in Nordic startups, which are majority owned by women. I hope I've got that intro right. So first of all, Monica, can we just get a, a kind of one minute, as I say, a lot of people know who you are, one minute overview of you and Enthuse, please, too. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and thanks for having me. So, well, I'm 49 years young, mother of four, been building banks for a very long time. I used to be a developer in the last millennium, which means I, I'm pretty old. I've uh, been building Enfuse now with my co-founder, Denise, and co-CEO for the past eight years. And we are an issuer processor. So we enable uh, banks, financial institutions, uh, big merchants to issue different type of card products, whether it be prepaid, debit, credit, revolving credit. And we are also an issuer ourselves. So uh, that means that we can also have the license entity. And as such, we have, for example, companies or like um, customers like the Finnish government, where we do the migration cards and the social benefits cards, etc. So a tech company scaling globally, we have currently focus on the European market and UK and uh, we can process already or already globally and have also customers in the Middle East and looking to scale uh, bigger uh, during this year. That's yeah. in short. I hope that gives yeah. a bit of a clue. That was very comprehensive. Michaela, the same question? Yeah, so excited to be on the podcast and uh, lovely to connect with you as well, Monica, and uh, the work that you are doing. Uh, I am... Uh, um, I actually used to live in London uh, for quite a few years and worked uh, with investor relations and communications and business development from different approaches, but ended up uh, coming to Sweden and realizing that, one, women don't that often share how, what they do with their money uh, in terms of saving, taking risk, starting companies and investing, and how can I create a forum for that? I also knew if I could get women to meet I could actually do some really exciting things based on that. So we started with uh, retail investors and the stock market. We grew into angel investor network. We've got over 400 angel investors in our community. And by having women investors on board, we actually got an immense deal flow of of women-owned businesses that actually finally said, wow, there are women investing. And by that, uh, we have now grown into uh, the, the Nordic region, and we are obviously not going to stop there. And uh, by that, we are also have launched uh, a fund to invest in companies that are um, majority owned by women. Because what I see that the venture uh, cap model is is halting is that we are losing out on opportunities because those companies are not funded and no one in across Europe and even in the US is very few women uh, with that ownership that has 
been offered the opportunity to scale on equal grounds as men. And by that, we have very few uh, women um, exits. You know, all across Europe, we talk about Bumble, right? Uh, and in, and that's it's the reason for that. Uh, very few uh, women that have been given that opportunity. And by changing the early stage investment uh, sector, we can progress into assisting women in MA and moving into uh, exits. And by that, ensuring that uh, we bring more great business opportunities uh, to exits or you know, building wealth from a women's perspective too. Okay, that was brilliant. You could slightly run over your minute, but that was uh, also equally uh, comprehensive. So I want to kind of zip through a few topics. So uh, just alluding to what you said then, Michaela, just to go into a, a bit more detail about 2024, the state of play, where we are in terms of female founders and female CEOs and females working at VCs, and then talk, talk about some of the fintech themes in 2024, like, like funding, and then about your roles as a CEO. So um, let's. So, so I mean, I think there's always a danger when I'm talking about female founders and female CEOs. I guess there's a danger just using the expression "female founder" or "female CEO" because noting gender for for uh, for women implies that founders and CEOs are male, and um, I think that's quite a, an interesting starting point. So, if I was to start with you, Monica, if you were to see an article. Uh, in a website, uh, a newspaper, or a magazine, with with the headline say "Female Founder Raises Record Fundraiser," or say I don't know, well-known fintech like Monzo, Monzo appoints first female CEO. So, I mean, would that headline, the fact that it denotes gender, would you find that kind of offensive, controversial, or, or do you think it's empowering? It's empowering, and. Yeah, so, sorry, Michaela, if, 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 no, I, if no, I start no, with that. You go, you go, Monica. Okay, yeah, cool. Well, I've seen it because I, I've, I've, I have raised historically the most uh, money as a uh, women-founded uh, fintech. Uh, so I, I see it's empowering. Uh, is it something that uh, I would like it to be? No, because, of course, as you said, it kind of alludes to that a founder is is a male, but you know that's the world we are living in, and we need to change it. So I hope that you know, a couple of generations later, that would be seen as ridiculous. Currently, it isn't like that. And in order to change and empower women to see role models and 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 see that they can also do it. Yes, I don't find it offensive. I, I think it's empowering to see that it's a female-founded or, or female CEO just because it actually shows us something that we are not used to seeing, and as such, it is empowering. That's my view. Uh, so that's great. So you, you, you've had first-hand, first-hand experience of your own yes. similar kind of headlines, have you? And you, and you, you saw that as empowering and not uh, yes. kind of denigrating you know, women? Okay. No. Okay, uh, Michaela, and, and you, you're gonna, what's your what's your take on 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 headlines which are uh, kind of denoting gender? Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, where you are. What you are talking about is definitely where we want to get, where it doesn't really matter. And uh, by 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 that, we need to to take some important steps. And um, what I think uh, the work that you are doing, Monica, is amazing because 
we are we haven't seen uh, the role models and everyone says when we ask like how are we changing this it's uh, normalizing uh, the fact that that women get the chance and that they successfully do it and 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 that by that i mean uh, successfully build amazing businesses and uh, similar works for you know investing in in the stock market we need right. to to normalize the fact that you know it's not hard and um, i'm a, i'm a, i have two interesting examples in regards to why it's important to to uh, target this uh, like the status quo and one of them is there's this great article on uh, you can read it on new york times from like symphony orchestras from the 1970s up until the millennium that wanted to like ex- excellent musicians that wanted to get women on board in their choir in their symphony orchestras and uh, it wasn't even until they put a, like a cover for the person that was actually playing that they started yes. to think about the person that was playing that it was the women were good enough so they started to get women in so by men that are looking like we need women on board we do believe that those um, uh, women are equally as good but from mm. for some reason in the decision making when you experience something you don't you don't see the potential as as equal uh, and i think that works so well for like the investors in, in you know industries like the fintech segment uh, so we need to define those great examples and role models and normalize and by mm. that that will get, give the confidence and courage for more to come okay yeah that's that's right and, and, and sorry go sorry yeah sorry. go on go, 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 go on yeah and to add to that it's actually like this According to studies, uh, Fortune 500 companies with the highest number of women directors report 42% greater return on sales. So to conclude what Michaela just said, mm. it's actually companies perform better with women uh, in top positions. So these are the things we need to talk about and voice it out and showcase, because it is true that women are actually even at many times better uh, so, so that's why I don't. I don't think that it's uh, at all a bad thing to highlight female founder or f- female CEO, just because we want to build a society where that doesn't matter. But we are in a society where it actually does, and the lack of it is a big problem. The world becomes a better place mm-hmm. when there are m- more gender equality, and that is proven by the numbers. Okay, but yeah, that's great. Now, for example, with the fund, our investment committee is, uh, you know, equal. We got um, two men and three women, so it's like forty sixty. We actually have an uh, a rollout uh, for applications for investment manager. We've received so many, like almost equally, Mm. men and women wanting to take this role. I think so. It's definitely, and I want to emphasize, like even feminist, it's about doing it together. Uh, and we have so many men supporting what we do by investing in the fund and uh, by being part of the work that we do, etc. Okay, that's great. I mean, I guess what I don't understand, because I can only speak about the UK as someone who covers fintech. So there are, and I guess, Monica, you're an example too, but there are, in UK fintech, there are quite lots of examples of high-profile female founders and CEOs. You've obviously got people like Anne Bowden at Starling. Mm-hmm. You've got Pension B, Romy, who's the founder. You've got uh, the CEO of a funding circle. So there are these 
high-profile women out there. And I guess in terms of uh, parity between the sexes, things are improving, but it, we've still got such a long way to go. And the, the number of female founders is still kind of man new in 2024. So why, if there are these high-profile founders, why is that not translating into more female-founded startups? Or is it just that females are, generally speaking, interested or is that in launching startups or is that a kind of a, a broad overstatement, Monica? If you look at what the, the names that you mentioned, what do we have in common? Uh, we are middle-aged. We've been around the block. We don't give a shit what people think <laughs> to be putting it in a nice and short and concise way. So I, I think what we, what we need to teach the younger generation, I have four, 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 four children, two, two daughters and two, two sons, is that it's okay to want to achieve. It's okay to work your ass off and as such achieve. And it's never too late and it's never too early to to found something and and be passionate about it. So I think it's more just showcasing. And if I look at what Enfuse does, we we work a lot with with younger children. So we do a lot of stuff to really level the playing ground because we really see uh, also from from teachers that uh, young girls in, in the age of 12, 13, 14, they start losing interest in math Mm. And as math skills decline, mm. the interest for tech jobs decline and, and finance stuff. And you, you tend to gravitate maybe more on social uh, type of work. And and uh, I think it's just to, to showcase and be there motivating and showing the, the possibilities. So being early on, then we also do a lot of work with with college graduates. Again, trying to steer a bit that, you can do whatever you want to. You can become a founder or you can become founder later on. You can do a tech track. You don't. Everything in tech isn't about coding. There's a lot of other stuff. So I do think that we have lived in a life where the ones who are now successful, and there's a lot of awesome young ladies who are successful as well, but the names you mentioned, what we have in common is that we've, we've been around the block. So I think there is uh, an up live to be had with younger women uh, mm. because I think what we've done as a disfavor also as women to each other is that when we don't talk about it we tend to somehow say that you need to choose you know there's a choice to be made either you become a successful in your career and you have children and then kind of that's it but it's not about, like, I've been a corp, like, I was a first-time founder in 2006, then I went into the banking world, as bank CIO, and then I had four kids during that time, and then I became a founder again. Like, you don't have to choose, you, you have to adapt and overcome, but that's life. So I think it's more about talking about things, and I think what Michaela said in the beginning, like, what she has been part of founding is a platform where people can talk because we women don't talk about these things. Like if you if you live the Instagram life, you know, like you work twenty four seven, you you look like a photo model, you have five hundred kids, and and you got millions, and you're flying here and there. That's not how life works. Mm. But but for some reason, we are building that into the expectation as and as such, I think. They haven't done the investigation, but I think like we are putting too much pressure 
on how things should look like. And like, you know, an IPO track, it's two years. It's never two years. So somehow I think unrealistic expectations and not guiding what could be a, a good next step so that you actually have the courage to try it out. And so what if it doesn't work the first time? Okay. Then, you no, know, yeah. get up and move on. So, so just for clarity, we're saying that there is, it's not a question of female, well, it probably is a question of female founders not getting VC funding, but it, we're taking a step back. There's a, there's a lack of actually, for many different reasons, including education, there's a lack of, of women wanting to actually uh, set up uh, startups then, yeah? Yesterday, yeah, because they think education. they, yeah. Go on, Michaela, sorry. Yeah, yesterday yeah, we had a meditation with women entrepreneurs that are really successful, like, really scaling uh, organically not with uh, with with um, external funding and we worked on like how they can build their businesses uh, from different perspective and one of the women said well I've never thought about you know I started my business as something I wanted to ensure that I could pay salary for myself provide for my kids start saving it setting up funds etc but never thought about that I could actually build uh, more value in the business that uh, you know are potentially simply just the salary in my bank account mm-hmm. and uh, that is something uh, that it will you know if we start to talk about that sort of um, mindset and share insights I think we can have a great impact but it's not just about uh, role models and because that's what you are mentioning uh, and that's really important that's the, the foundation but then we need so many other. We need that experience on how to 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 expand and do it in a in a thorough and a successful way. We need uh, capital. So there are those other obstacles um, that you know. Obviously, there are some examples, and that's amazing that we are seeing uh, people that are successful. But it's still the majority of investors uh, aren't investing in men still. Mm-hmm. And in Sweden this year, actually, the percentage of uh, of uh, private equity went backwards. So we are less than uh, 0.6% of the funding went to women-led businesses. So um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's so much to do, and it's not just one button. It's not only role models. Uh, it's knowledge. It's capital. It's... Um, um, tools to use uh and like working on this together uh okay yeah that, that's really interesting so i mean obviously there's this kind of long-standing myth which has probably been um perpetuated over the years that you know to set up a startup you need to work uh like 25 hours well 20 hours a day from from, from your garage and uh, i mean how much of a is, is that kind of is, is that a turn off to female and also monica just going back to your point earlier mm-hmm. That it's not kind of a, an either or, and, and women can ha- have it both. They can raise a family and launch a startup. I guess uh, that's um, it. Kind of varies across Europe, doesn't it? I guess culturally there might be some differences yes. in Eastern Europe to Western Europe, and I might be kind of over getting this horribly wrong, but I can imagine in Eastern Europe it might be more of a kind of do one thing or the other, and there isn't this idea that you can kind of blend. You can have the best of both worlds too. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. That there are cultural. I mean, like uh, we in the Nordics are born very equal. So if I just look at the UK, you are born in a class society. 
which is very different. So the expectation of how things goes and how you communicate, etc., it is different. So, and and that's, that's just cultural differences between countries. And then you add the gender aspect, etc. So, of course, that also plays its part. And then uh, in the end, that, that's why, as Michaela said, the, the tools are important, like how do you set up business? And also that as we live longer and healthier lives, uh, of course, you don't you shouldn't have to choose that do you build a successful business or do you have a family uh it is of course about what kind of network do you have what support system do you have what kind of partner do you have etc so life in general plays plays a big part in in how it goes but definitely the the myth about i remember being asked uh, it's probably 7 years ago like okay you don't look like a typical founder and i said okay what is a typical founder so back in those days during the hottest time in the dot sorry not dot com boom that was the previous one which i also lived through uh, the fintech boom was that well uh, a founder is um typically a 23 year old male like working from the garage or whatever with their parents' uh, money. Uh, I don't think that's true anymore. And there's nothing wrong with that either. But I do think that it's it's about having an idea that you're passionate about and then getting the assistance and help and advice on how to actually start building that into something that can grow into a successful business. Okay, that's very eloquent. I just want to move just quickly away from founders and on to um, CEOs. I remember um, a few years ago, I spoke to a fintech CEO, and I don't want to get this, hopefully don't misquote her, and she spoke about uh, female passivity, and she said, I don't know if she was over, she was speaking about her own experience, but she said when she was at work, when she was younger, when she used to... Um, write things at work she would say it in a, a very deferential kind of respectful and not an assertive tone so when she was um perhaps uh, emailing her manager she would say would it be possible or could we possibly meet at this time Where, whereas a male counterpart would be a lot more demanding and assertive and she would i think the inference was that this was holding women back Again, I don't want to horribly overgeneralize and get this wrong, but does, I mean, does that, Michaela, does that does that resonate? Do you think that's that's still a reason why women are perhaps there's not as many women getting to the top at work, or is it perhaps a, a contributory reason uh, for that? I think we have to go back to the core as well. There's like, where did we come from? Uh, Monica describes that we are super equal in terms of the legal aspect of living a life and you know maternity leave paternity leave etc we have we are in the forefront but if we look at ownership in sweden as one of the most equal countries in the world it's still um so that men own double what women own mm -hmm. and it's for sure a fact that people that own more can take a high risk so rather i'm not i'm not uh, a person that can you know Uh, that have the research to support, you know, mm. arguing for why we act the way we do socially. But I can say that there are some uh, dominant factors that tells us that we, 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 it's for sure that with the current status quo, we can't, we can't take the same risk. Uh, and it's uh, social factors. And it's, uh, you know, it's uh, also, if we go back 60 years, you know, in Sweden, mm. it's not, It's not a distant uh, past, 
every woman were forced to choose between becoming a nurse or uh, becoming a teacher. That were the two options that you could choose in Sweden. And of course, we still see today the result of you know young kids growing up, young girls watching their mom doing those works and and following the lead. Uh, so, like t- change takes time, and uh, it's a combination of structures history and uh, also the opportunity to what can you actually what risk can you actually take and what do you have to to risk okay that, that's great so let's just talk about vc so tell us a bit more about this what's been the response so you've you've launched this vc fund and you're looking to raise around is it nine million euros i mean yeah, have, yeah. what's the state have you raised that i mean what's been the and what's been the response yeah, yeah. Well, actually the response has been incredible uh, we launched the fund. We have about a third committed, like prior to to the launch, um, and uh, we have some really uh, great talks with investors as well. The interest has been super high. I've been approached by women and men from across Europe saying, "Wow, finally, thank you for taking the bet." And um, yeah, so uh, the impact that we have to do this that. You know, I'm actually the person that is doing it. I feel a bit like it feels odd <laughs> in, yeah. in 2024 because I would have wanted us to come a bit further. But what we talk about is like women, it's a numbers game. Uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting climate to get in. Uh, valuation has been going down. We are obviously just having professional investors on board. So that's important to say in this uh, sort of uh, outlet. And uh, it's important to 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 actually focus on uh, women will bring great ROI uh, to the investors uh, rather than you know it's good uh, good for the society etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, uh, I'm really excited and uh, but I also feel feel honored to and a lot of pressure to deliver because mm-hmm. that's something I really want to do. Okay, and Monica, what, what's your? I mean, in your, you're not old at all. I don't know why you said that before, but in, in, in your younger years, if there was a, a specialist fund uh, for for Nordic startups um, to fund uh, businesses, startups majority owned by women, would that would would that have helped you in any way? I mean, what's your take on that? And secondly, Monica, is, is I mean, is is there a correlation between? Um, a lack of women in VCs. Uh, I mean, is that a reason why female startups aren't getting funded, or is that not a is that, is that not a link you can make? Uh, well, first of all, I think it, that's a bit a challenging question. I, I don't know how many female-founded companies there are who don't get funded. Yeah. Like I, I, I know we talk about how many do like out of the portion, uh, how many are women, but how how many are there who are actually there for for seeking funding. I don't have that because that's not my day job. I, I don't look at that. Uh, would that have helped? You know, I don't think it would have not, not helped. I think for me and Denise, as, as we really knew what we were doing uh, and still know, I believe <laughs> at least, uh, for us, it was about raising capital. So like uh, our first two years, you know, we made profit, paid dividend, and then we started scaling. So, we knew what we needed. We knew where to go and get it. Uh, but of course, as I'm all, myself also an LP, an investor in, in some companies, uh, especially the ones that I have personally invested money, 
they are they are women founded and and women uh, women led organizations not just because they are women but be, because i do believe that the the things that they are doing they have an impact that they want to achieve and they have to drive the founders to get it done so like putting my money which i have worked my ass off and that I want to leave as a legacy to my kids. I want to invest in something that I know will yield. And it's much more likelihood that these ladies, I know they will go over and beyond to to do stuff. And they are also doing things that matter. So the services that and the companies that they are building also makes the world a better place. That's important for me. So definitely the more also women focused uh, VCs there are the better it is because the world isn't ready as Michaela said like 60 years back the world looked very different 60 years from now I hope that the world looks very different with all the things that we are doing to make sure that it becomes more diverse and more equal okay that, that's we, we, we had half an hour we've done 28 minutes on one topic I just wanted to talk about move it away from gender just because you're both CEOs well what's the biggest challenge of being a CEO in 2024, Michaela? You know, there, there are so many aspects into this. We're in a, in a year that just started. And uh, obviously, like two years ago, it, it was completely different landscape from a CEO with an aspiring growth ambition as myself. Uh, you could uh, raise money to a greater extent, etc. Last year and, and a little bit the year before that, was ob- was obviously tougher but from starting from scratch and building uh, i am a strong believer in building something in the worst markets because uh, then you can only scale in the better improved environments so uh, to actually not blame the the circumstances for failures but using that to your advantage is i think something that is great we have landed quite smoothly, uh, I must say. Inflation has been coming down. And if we uh, are looking into the future, uh, interest rates are most likely going to start to come down uh, this year. So uh, from uh, I'm, I'm very positive and I have a positive outlook, but I also know that I'm building in a, in a place where I, I see a, I have a positive outlook, but I also expect for for the worst to happen and by that if i'm if i can success be successful in that um uh, you know nothing is really threatening okay and last word to you monica you obviously your co-ceo i mean do you expect being a ceo in 2024 to be any different from from 2023 and what's the biggest challenge you face no, well, I'm born uh, and raised to be adult when we had depression in Finland. I lived the dot-com boom and the crash, was a bank CIO when the financial crisis hit, was a founder when COVID hit and started scaling when Russia invaded Ukraine and the war started. So downturns, uh, I, I tend to gravitate uh, towards shit shows, apparently. Uh, but that's where the, the awesomeness happens. Like in the worst of times, uh, people do the best of things. And uh, my biggest challenges are more related to to really scaling. Uh, so it's uh, internal processes, people, uh, sales, closing deals, really delivering on the promise of NFUs. But but it's very business as usual. And and I think my biggest challenge is always to remember that as we have had the fortune of of uh, being able to grow uh, every year. Uh, two-digit numbers since we, we the inception of the company 
uh, understanding that every year the company is not the same company it was a year ago because it's grown, it's evolved, it's entered to new markets, entered new currencies, etc. And I do also think that it's a healthy thing that uh, the downturn came because so many weird stuff got funded that shouldn't be funded because mm. uh, they never had even an idea uh, to, to succeed. So I think this is a le- it's a level playing field. Now it's an awesome time okay, to that- found and build a company. Okay, mm. uh, well, there's loads in there. We could have talked for a lot longer. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to... I made the false promise that we're going to cover all these topics, but we've, we've overrun. No so, Michaela and Monica, uh, thank you very much. And that's been the Tech EU FinTech podcast. If you've liked the show or not, go ahead and hit subscribe, like, rate us. We'll see you next time. <laughs>